I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm Kennedy. I'm Sean Duffy, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 23rd, 2023, I'm Alex Hogan. A big week for Virginia voters during the state's primary elections. Virginia, you know, has become kind of a kind of a light blue state at the presidential level. There's still the opportunity here for Republicans to win um, full control of the state. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Virginia's primary elections this week prompting some major changes. Virginia is one of a few states that holds legislative races in off-numbered years. And voters made their voices heard on Tuesday, ousting some very controversial figures. Yeah, so there was a fairly uh, dramatic shakeup because of redistricting. Uh, so, you know, basically there were a lot of incumbents who found themselves with their districts essentially dismantled and having to run in places where they were not particularly familiar with their constituents and the, the, the new constituents weren't particularly familiar with them. And Kyle Kondik is a political analyst and managing editor of Sabado's Crystal Ball. It's contributed to a situation where there's really going to be a, a whole lot of turnover in both the state House of Delegates and also um, the, uh, the, 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 the state Senate. You know, broadly speaking, you know, Governor Glenn Youngkin, uh, a Republican, is really wants to win uh, Republicans a total control of the state legislature. Republicans have a narrow edge in the state House right now. Democrats have a narrow edge in the state Senate. And Youngkin uh, endorsed in, an, in a number of races. And basically everyone he supported ended up winning. I wouldn't necessarily say that, that the Republican slate of candidates is, is moderate, really. It's, you know, it's a group of conservative candidates, generally speaking. It's just that some of the people who you think of as maybe being the most kind of like outwardly kind of pro-Trump or, uh, you know, some of the people who I think Republicans maybe were concerned might threaten them in, in certain districts. Basically, that the people that Youngkin wanted got ended up getting through. On the Democratic side, you did see you know some progressive challengers who defeated the Democratic incumbents. But again, redistricting really played a big role in that too. So I don't necessarily know how strong the ideological component of it was. But you know, I think the slate of uh, you know Democratic candidates is probably you know more to the left than what you might have seen in some previous cycles. Well, let's start with something that you mentioned. Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin did not endorse Senator Amanda Chase, the incumbent, and she lost her seat to former Senator Glenn Sirdvon. So Chase had aligned herself with former President Donald Trump. She made some false claims about election fraud. Do you think that her ousting signifies that some voters in this area might be ready to move past Trump? I wouldn't go that far you know, because I, I think you, if you look at results in some other places across the country, some of the primaries last year, you wouldn't necessarily say that. But, you know, certainly I think that, you know, Sturdivant was sort of a, a candidate who was more amenable to Republican leadership in the state, both, you know, and, and again, the governor didn't endorse against Amanda Chase, but he didn't endorse for her either. Sturdivant has been in the state Senate before. Uh, he represented a much more competitive district that got competitive over the course of the 2010s, and he ended up losing in 2019. And he, you know, he certainly reoriented himself as a more conservative candidate to fit a district that is somewhat competitive, but definitely leans Republican. But you know, this is this is one of those races that I think people were looking at and saying, boy, if Chase wins, Republicans might actually have a problem in this district in the general election. And now I think you know most of us don't feel that way with with Sturdivant winning. So that's one example of where I think that you know kind of Republican leadership was probably pretty happy with the result. Well, looking at uh, the other side of the aisle, some of the Democratic races, Democrat Senator Joe Morrissey 
lost his seat to uh, Lesh Reese Aird. And, and Morrissey supports some limits on abortion, whereas Aird fully supports access to abortion. How big of an issue do you think that abortion rights was in this specific race? Well, I think it was important. You know, certainly Morrissey is not really aligned with the sort of mainstream Democratic position on, on the abortion issue. Uh, Morrissey ran in a primary uh, for a for special election to a safe U.S. House seat that was open late last year, and he got pretty much crushed in the primary. And I think that probably some of the damage that was done to him in that primary extended into into this primary, in which he was he was defeated pretty soundly. And you know, Morrissey was was pretty out of touch with the rest of the Senate uh, Virginia Senate Democrats. And and look, I think it showed in the result and that he you know he got defeated very soundly. Do you think that looking at Virginia gives any insight into what will be on the minds of voters across the country come the general election? You know, I don't really think so. Although, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in terms of like big state level elections in November of 2023. We do have a few governor's races, you know, Kentucky, Mississippi, Louisiana. Those are all uh, red states, although Democrats are actually defending two of those governorships, an open seat in Louisiana that they're going to have a really hard time holding. And then Andy Bashir, Democratic governor of Kentucky, is running for a second term. And I think it's probably like a narrow favorite, but that's a really competitive race. But, you know, Virginia is, you know, another state where you do have these, you don't know, have a statewide election, but you do have this state legislative races. And while Virginia, you know, has become kind of a kind of a light blue state at the presidential level. There's still the opportunity here for Republicans to win full control of the state. And there, of course, would be policy consequences for that. You know, I think the electorate that shows up in Virginia in 2023 is going to be, well, first of all, it's a lot smaller than a presidential electorate and also a more Republican leaning electorate than what the general electorate would be in the presidential year. So even if Republicans win both chambers, I don't necessarily know if it tells us a whole lot. But, you know, for for election analysts, there's precious little to look at in, in the in the odd numbered years. You know, the primary season is going for president, but uh, it's not formally going to start until early next year, at least we think. Uh, the calendar's not formally set yet, but we're looking for, you know, scraps of indications from anywhere we can as to what might be going on. But I also think it can be dangerous to project these races forward. You know, the Virginia and New Jersey gubernatorial races are sometimes thought of as being sort of a preview of the of the next year's midterms. And, you know, Republicans did great in Virginia and New Jersey's governor's races. They almost won New Jersey. They flipped Virginia in 2021. But that didn't really end up being predictive of 2022. Of course, you had the Dobbs abortion decision intervening between those elections and the midterm. And I think the abortion issue is going to continue to be important in Virginia, in Virginia's state legislative elections and elsewhere. But, you know, these these races are not necessarily predictive of the future, even though they're interesting. And of course, they're important for you know, the future trajectory of Virginia. We've been speaking with political analyst Kyle Kondik. More on this after the break. As we do look ahead to the presidential election, even though it is still far, far ahead in the distant future. And Will Hurd this week threw his hat in the ring uh, as the group of Republicans just continues to get larger and larger. So what is his campaign promising that's different from his other Republican counterparts? You know, he definitely seems like more of a Trump critic than many of the other candidates, although we have seen like a candidate like Chris Christie, you know, kind of be more avowedly against Trump. You know, I, I don't know what the end game really is for Hurd. I mean, he's not a particularly, you know, famous person nationally. I mean, I think he was like an interesting House member when he was in the U.S. House for a few terms. But I don't know if, you know, I don't, again, I really don't think he's like a national household name and he's probably going to struggle to get attention. I sometimes wonder why some of these folks are running, but 
And the other thing is that if your goal as a Republican is to, or if your goal as a, you know, as a Republican who's critical of, of Donald Trump or who wants to move on from Trump, you know, the larger the field of opponents, the more potential there might be that those people would split the vote and allow Trump to, you know, to get renominated, even if he's running below his current level of support, which is, you know, 45, 50% or so in, in national polls. I mean, you know, I think in order to defeat Trump, the, the, the non-Trump Republicans are going to have to unify around someone and who that person is, I don't know. I mean, it looked like it could be Ron DeSantis, maybe it still is, but his level of support, though decent, you know, was, was better several months ago than it is now. So, you know, for someone like Hurd, I... I don't necessarily know like what chance he has to get traction. Maybe it's an indication, you know, we've seen him and a lot of other candidates get in recently. Maybe it's an indication, not necessarily saying anything about Trump, but just that if Trump falls apart at some point, which I don't know if it'll happen or not, maybe maybe it might based on some of his legal problems, et cetera. Could someone then be there to sort of, you know, be the alternative candidate? And it doesn't seem like DeSantis has really frozen out a lot of people from trying to be that alternative. So maybe it says more about DeSantis' problems than it does about Trump's problems. Well, speaking about those legal problems, since former President Donald Trump's indictment, it actually gave him a polling boost. Then that was something that we heard uh, from a lot of analysts they predicted would happen. Do you think that this is expected to continue? You know, there has been, uh, you know, different polls will say different things. Again, the the averages still have Trump around around 50 percent. You know, DeSantis is more like 20, 25. So, you know, Trump still has this fairly um, decisive edge at this point. I do wonder if and this is what, the, you know, the non-Trump Republicans have to hope for is that the, just the weight of all of these problems for Trump, that eventually they just, you know, it just uh sort of pushes him down over the drags him down over the course of the summer and the fall. Again, I'm not I'm not saying that that's going to happen necessarily. In fact, I'm sort of skeptical whether it'll happen. But, you know, this is a um, it's a risky choice potentially for Republicans to nominate Trump again, given, you know, given Trump that did did lose in 2020. And a lot of the candidates most associated with him also lost in, in 2022. And eventually, you know, Republican voters may just come to believe that they just can't go with him again. But we certainly haven't reached that point yet. And so that's sort of what we're going to watch over the course of the coming months. Now, talking about some legal problems on the other side of the aisle, a big story, of course, was Hunter Biden, who took the plea deal. So do you think that all of this happening will make that problem simply go away? Or do you think that President Joe Biden will continue to face pressure and a lot of questions on this issue moving forward. Uh, certainly, Republicans aren't going to let it go. And if they keep talking about it, I think it continues to be an issue where you end up um, thinking about it. And uh, now, I guess, that you know, one of the sort of unanswered questions about this is that is, is this really going to be it in terms of scrutiny on Hunter Biden? Because, you know, House Republicans are making some fairly explosive claims about both Hunter and Joe Biden that they haven't really been able to back up. Are there more developments about that? Does this turn into, you know, is there more there there, I guess, for, for, for lack of a better way of putting it? You know, I don't necessarily know the answer to that. We haven't really seen anything new lately, I don't think, other than, of course, this this plea deal, which which doesn't get at really what, what House Republicans are talking about in terms of, you know, alleging this sort of bribery, you know, scheme with, with the two of them. And again, they just don't seem to have a lot of hard evidence of that. Maybe that'll emerge, maybe it won't. But for, for the president, I think that 
Certainly, House Republicans are going to do everything they can to try to weaken him. That's you know that's what the opposition party in in Congress does to uh, to a sitting president if they have the if they have the power to do that. And you know Biden's approval rating has been you know pretty soft and and actually a little bit softer lately. Been kind of more into you know around forty as opposed to even the the, the low to mid forties. Whether this recent development with Hunter Biden changes that or not, I don't I don't necessarily know if it will. But um, you know he's, there's certainly some weakness there. There's just a question of whether Republicans can really capitalize on it, and that's the that's the choice that Republican primary voters have because even though I think. Trump would be perfectly capable of winning again next year in a general election sense. Certainly, I think there's evidence to suggest that he's not the strongest candidate that Republicans could produce. But yet, he you know he continues to lead. I mean, you can make the argument that that Democrats could could or should go with someone other than Biden, but he doesn't really have any real credible opposition within his own party at this point. So, um, you know, there's been a lot made of the fact that there are a lot of Americans who don't want a Biden versus Trump rematch, and yet, you know, that's what we're looking at at least as of today. Well, there is so much to look forward to and continually watch. So Kyle Hondek, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. 